Well, good morning to you and welcome, uh, Admai, welcome again. And as you can see, I am speaking from inside uh, Trinity Cheltenham's building to you this morning. And it's deliberate. It's, uh, it's a really odd place to be. It's wonderfully familiar and warm and lovely just to be in this space but it's completely empty. I am the only person here and I'm allowed to be in here uh, as the minister of the church, but it's completely empty of people because of course the church, Trinity Cheltenham, the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide is not buildings, it's people. And so I just thought it would be appropriate on this Pentecost Sunday to kind of have the little bit of the tension of familiar surroundings in one sense, but also the emptiness and therefore the question, who are we called to be as God's people, as, as Trinity? I'd love you to grab hold of at least uh, two or three things. I'd love you to grab a Bible, um, either a written Bible or uh, on your phone and open Philippians. And I'd also really love to encourage you this morning to grab a piece of paper and a pen, because at the end of the time this morning, I'm gonna ask you to write some things down and it'd be great if you could grab a pen uh, grab a piece of paper or if you've got it on your phone that'll be fine or an iPad whatever uh, however you might want to, to record let's just let's just pray again let's just say thank you God for Trinity for your blessing of being part of a church family we, we do thank you um, for our building and all that it symbolizes about your faithfulness over nearly 200 years in this particular place and we thank you for all the seasons that you have led us through as a church. And Father, thank you, this reminder today that your church, the church of Christ Jesus, is us, the people. We are not dependent on these magnificent stones. We are dependent on you, Holy Spirit, God with us now. So would you come and fill our hearts on this Pentecost Sunday as we think, about what it means to be your church going forward from this point. Come, Holy Spirit, please. Amen. Well, friends, um, it's, uh, it's a season, isn't it, of, of massive learning for us, a season that uh, unlike any that, uh, that any of us will have been gone through. Um, but I'm really cautious about the word unprecedented which is being thrown out left, right and centre. Um, of course, it's, it's right to say that it, as a, it is unprecedented for us personally, but um, to suggest that God's story has not been unfolding in the world and through the whole of human history, um, through events that have had similar dramatic impact as this coronavirus, would be very wrong. Uh, my grandfather, who was in the trenches in World War I, Boy, I'm sure he thought those were unprecedented times. Uh, we can think back through human history of times of plague, of times of massive change and, and, and disruption in world history, the end of the Roman Empire. That must have felt unprecedented. And yet God's story, God's purposes, God's mission continue. That's the, the mega narrative, but the big story that the Bible speaks to us and it is so important that we have a perspective that our story however much things are difficult however the reality of the challenges however sweet the blessings fits into God's big story 
Maybe you're someone watching this morning who's wondering about that truth, who's hoping for that truth, that, that beyond what we're experiencing right now, there is a bigger truth, a bigger narrative, a bigger story. There is God. And I, on this Pentecost Sunday, want to say to you, the answer is yes. There is a bigger story. There is God and his love for you. I hope this won't feel like a belittling for those of you who are going through incredibly tough times at the moment. But I've had a wonderful little revelation after 25 years. Um, I gather, by the way, that if you go to Canada and you go to the snowy um, wastelands of Canada in wintertime, um, you can see the tracks that are made by the, uh, the dog, the huskies and the sledges and by the, uh, you know, by the people walking. And there are signs sometimes which say, um, you know, pick your rut carefully because you're going to be in it for the next 25 miles. Well, I've been in a rut for 25 years. I have had a, a hose pipe that kinks constantly for 25 years. And whenever I've been watering my garden, uh, I have the I've had the frustration of, you know, walking around the garden and it, it just sort of would kink and the flow would cut off. Well, friends, I've revolutionized my life. This week, I bought a magic hosepipe. It is amazing. It just never kinks. It expands to three times its size and then constricts again. And wherever I go in the garden, it's, it's flowing the water as I'm watering those plants, which is vital to their, to, to their growth. And it, it just made me kind of think this morning about, about my own life and about the flow of the Holy Spirit through me and the, the flow of the Holy Spirit through, through Trinity. I, I, I wonder if this is a real key moment for some of us, you know, not to buy a magic hose, but to, to really open up and to get rid of a few of the kinks. Maybe we've been in a little bit of a rut for 25 miles or 25 years. And this is a day when God is saying, let my spirit come, let my spirit flow. If for the first time to know the truth of Jesus Christ's love, if for the nth time to say, yes, Holy Spirit, come and flow through me. We've been studying this, this book of Philippians, haven't we? And, and we've been hearing Paul speaking to us from the constraints of, of a prison cell, but with a massive vision for life, with a, a sense of a fullness of life. And we've, we've learned lots of lessons for us as we look to the future, as we reset, as we take stock, we think what, what God is calling us into, as we, I hope, are asking the Holy Spirit to flow through us with no kinks, with no barriers to, to his work. And, and all those lessons, everything that we've been thinking about, Paul's confidence in Jesus Christ, his, his thankfulness, his, his ambition for the things, of, the things of God, his desire for proper relationships, all of those things are fueled by the Holy Spirit. The spirit that on that first day of Pentecost flowed in a new way. On that first day of Pentecost, it was a religious day. It was a, a memorial day, remembering uh, how God had re released his people through the Passover, released them from slavery in Egypt. It was also a, a harvest day when they gathered in the grain. So there were two key themes for them, covenant 
and harvest. And those are, are two themes for us, aren't they? God's promise through the covenant he has made in Jesus Christ and the harvest that God wants us to have. And, and Paul's perspective for himself and Paul's perspective for those he's writing to in Philippi, despite everything that is happening to them, despite being in prison, despite uh, the attacks that they're experiencing, and we can read about those as we, as we read his letter, they have a confidence. They have the flow through them, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. There are, there are three key references to, 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 to the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to just point us to them because they are short, but they are comprehensive about the work of the Holy Spirit. The first is to remind us that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us in Christ. Verse 19 of chapter one, Paul says, through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Christ Jesus, he has his confidence, he has his joy, he is able to face what is happening. Every, every time he writes a, a, a word in this letter to Philippi, he can feel the, the chains on his wrists. And yet he has confidence and hope and vision because the Holy Spirit, in partnership with the prayers of the community, are, is, it, is at work in him. The Holy Spirit is leading him in Christ. Now, being in Christ for Paul is covered in many of his letters, has numerous dimensions to him. But just today, I want it to say it means being fully bonded with Jesus Christ, spiritually bonded with Christ. <coughs> That's the first gift of the Holy Spirit. And the key point is that it's not personal resolve. It's not Paul's own efforts that are doing this, but it's divine power. The word that's used there for help is used elsewhere by, by Paul. Um, in the Greek, it means a never ending supply. The help of the Holy Spirit to bond us to Jesus Christ, to give us confidence, whatever our circumstances, is a never ending supply. Now it's expressed, it's made real, it's, it's brought alive through life practices. Paul gives us a model of life practices, of, of, of Jesus being our first ambition and then putting ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts. Reading scripture, being, being prayerful and prayer filled filled with, with gratitude, giving thanks as a, a, a practice, as Tim said last week, a, a practice of thankfulness that takes us into a grace-filled life. But it is a divine gift if we're willing to open ourselves through these kinds of practices. As a church, we've said our first bit of our vision, which endures, is being all in with God. And we talked about walking with God and our website has various healthy habits. What are your healthy habits? What's the, uh, the path that you're going to choose for the next 25 miles or 25 years? Whatever the future looks like, how is it going to be shaped by healthy habits? As the Spirit leads us into the next chapters of Trinity's life, whether or not it involves a building at all, 
What are going to be the healthy personal habits that will open you to the work of the Holy Spirit to bond you in full union in Christ? And if you've not started the journey yet, here is a moment. What you feel in your heart, the, the sense of yearning you have in you to say, yes, is the Holy Spirit at work in you? And I urge you, I entreat you to say yes to God, the Holy Spirit at work in you today. The second uh, key reference to the spirit in the book of Philippians comes in in chapter two, verse two, as he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit, secondly, leading us in community. Paul writes, doesn't he? He says, if you have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then. And we talked about the way in which Paul's modelling of being in Christ is worked out in community through his friendship with Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he said, didn't he, and we looked at this a few weeks ago in chapter two, they are his brothers, brothers and sisters, that bond of family. They are his co-workers, that, that partnering together, and they are co-soldiers because it is a spiritual battle that we are involved in. We're not just working against the forces of of, of humanity in this. There are spiritual forces at work. And so for us, as we look to the, the coming out of lockdown, we ask the question, Holy Spirit, how are you leading Trinity forward? Who do you want us to be? We are called to be all in it together, aren't we? He's going to lead us forward, all in together as a community. Many of you will know that at the end of um, Acts chapter 2, um, there's a description of the people of God, which is radical in its nature. There were certain practices which expressed the values that they had as they, they gathered around the teaching, as they gathered in fellowship, as they broke bread together, as they shared all that God had given to them. No one was in need. And again, friends, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, that word Fellowship is also by, used by Paul in Corinthians, and it means something that is divinely created and equally shared. Do you yearn for radical community? Do you know that that's who we're called to be as Trinity moving forward into whatever the future has for us? Well, friends, if we want radical community, if we want to live differently, if we want to share resources in a way that no one has need, then we have to let the Holy Spirit work in us. Because that kind of fellowship is divinely created and then equally shared. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill your church trinity to be radical Christian community. So in Christ, in community, and thirdly and finally, the Spirit leads us in mission, doesn't he? It, it's clear from the letter of Philippians that uh, there are various brands of Christianity that are being promoted at the time. In chapter 3, verse 2, Paul speaks very strongly about watching out for dogs and mutilators of the flesh. He's making a reference to uh, Judaizers. Uh, who were who were saying that essentially, uh, as well as following Jesus, you had to follow Jewish customs and, and Jewish rules around circumcision in order to experience salvation. They were putting religion rather than grace 
as the message of good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross, that he rose again. And then on Pentecost, the spirit is unleashed to fill us with God's grace and mercy and goodness and love. That was the message that Paul was sharing. It's the message we share today. And it's the message that our world needs, doesn't it, in this next chapter. And it is the message of good news that the Holy Spirit will lead us in. We're called Trinity to be all in with God, all in with each other and all in for the sake of the world. Paul in chapter three, verse three writes, we who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus. We who worship by the spirit of God, not religion, not rules, not even glorious buildings, but by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus. And so as we've talked about being all in with, uh, all in for the world, we've talked, haven't we, Trinity, about growing greener. And I don't think it's an accident the Lord has led us to thinking about personal spiritual practices with walking with God, has been challenging us over the last three years about how we are communities together. And I don't think it's any accident that he's been talking to us about growing greener. We know again from the beginning of Acts that the first disciples were called to attend to their Jerusalem, to the, the closest relationships around them. And in this season of lockdown, haven't we been focused more on our neighbours, our communities, our Jerusalem? And the green space is where our faith and relationships just mix naturally. What are the practices that we're going to put into practice going forward? that will build relationships, will allow us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us in words and in deeds. Friends, this is the work of the Spirit. It's just three simple, short little references that Paul makes in this letter of Philippians, but it is infused, the whole of the letter, the whole of Paul's attitude, everything that he teaches, everything he's calling the Philippians to is fired by, inspired by, led by the Holy Spirit. But it's expressed in choices, in, in practical decision making. And so I asked you to grab a piece of paper and I want you to write, if I may, four words onto the bit of paper or, or list them on your phone. And then just begin to think what you would put under these four words. It's a little model that uh, uh, someone uses, Peter Scarese, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Church and Leadership. Scazero, I can never say no, his name, sorry. Um, but it kind of builds on the rule of Benedict, if you know anything about that. A rule of life, and the word rule means trellis. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a religious kind of rule, but it's the kind of trellis on which God's growth through the Spirit can work. But here are four words, four headings. What do you put under the heading of prayer? In the Benedictine way, it's prayer and study. What are the practices? You might want to really seriously think about Sabbath, about silence, about solitude, about the, the way in which you're going to express gratitude. What comes for you under that heading? of prayer and study. That second one, rest. 
What does it mean for you to rest in the Lord? What practices will you have? When and how will you choose to spend time with family or friends? Again, Sabbath. When are you going to make space in your, in your week, in your life for rest? Are you going to, from after lockdown, are you going to build in some practice of going on retreat? What about relationships? What have you learned? What has God taught you and taught me through this lockdown season about the, the value and the significance of relationships and how it needs to be expressed in practices? So on my list, for example, writing down the fact that I will ring members of my family after lockdown on a weekly basis, that I will make space to, to go and be with my siblings. I haven't done that at all. I haven't spent time just one to one with my siblings for ages. And God's challenging me to write under that word relationships, spending intentional time with my siblings. And then what about your world of work? And for, for each of these headings, the crunch is about receiving and giving God's love. Receiving and giving God's love. And what are the practices? What's the rule of life that you want to choose and walk in going forward? I, I lived with a kinked hosepipe for 25 years. It partially did the job. I've got my magic hosepipe now and the flow of the water, it's constant and consistent. Holy Spirit, come. Let us not be people who experience you in, in little waves or in, in dribs and drabs. Holy Spirit, let Trinity, let us personally experience your consistent and constant flow. Life in Christ. Life in in community, life together, in serving your mission purposes, your enduring mission purpose for Trinity, to make committed followers of Jesus Christ who change communities and nations for him. Come Holy Spirit, let us choose our path wisely because we know we're going to be in it for a while. Come, Holy Spirit.